Ladies and gentlemen, Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney, tell me, is it the truth? Don't you really get any respect? Jackie, I don't get no respect at all. No? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we played hide-and-seek. Well, they wouldn't even look for me. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's the same thing with my friends, no respect. No? Well, my friends tell me when I call them on a the phone, I should use a certain signal. Let it ring twice, hang up, and don't call back. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, Jackie, I respect you, you know. You, you look great. Remember, you you look thin. Well, it's really no problem to look thin. Really? No problem at all? Well, tell me, how do you look thin? Just hang around real fat people, that's all. (laughs) He really looks great, you know, but I'll tell you, to me, it's, uh, it's something more important than looks, you know? To me, it's underneath what counts. Soul, depth. That's what's important, not looks. I mean, how many times you take a walk in the street, you see a tall, handsome man walking arm in arm with a short, fat, ugly girl? I never saw that. Did you ever see that? I never saw it. <laughs> I thought I saw that. No, but I mean, looks don't mean nothing. I got a niece, an ugly girl. She got married. She's happy now. She married an ugly guy. And today they got two very ugly kids. <laughs> in fact, they're all so ugly in a family album. They only keep the negatives. Fly Podcast with me, Dave Juskow. How are you? I hope everybody's having a, a great <laughs> February. <laughs> Weather-wise, it's so horrible for everybody. But, again, saving on a Saturday, a beautiful Saturday here in New York City. Yes, chilly, but blue skies all around with hope for an early spring, even if the groundhog says differently. Screw that groundhog. I know what he's talking about. And seriously, he really doesn't know what he's talking about. It's the stupidest day in history. I'm surprised we that there's a couple of communities in Texas where they're pretty dumb um, that, that don't have Groundhog Day off. <laughs> yeah, we got to make sure that we find out what the Groundhog says. Because I don't know whether you know, but Texas, they have their own grid. I mean, you probably do know, but I didn't realize until like recently that there's an East Coast grid and a West Coast grid. 
And then Texas has its own grid. And that's what you get when you just don't want to be part of the country. Whatever the case may be, I do hope everybody is okay. I'm sure there's some delightful people in Texas, although I don't know any of them. Except for Lisa Kaplan. That's Rachel Feinstein's best friend, and she's okay. But she moved to Texas for a boy. And as you know, that's just the stupidest thing you can do as a girl. You know how many girls I've had to talk out of? Not just converting to Judaism for a man, but to move for a boy. You've got to be smart. You've got to be sure. You don't, you don't move for any man unless it's, you know, the one. But if it's just like, well, I'm not sure who else I'm going to meet. So, yeah, no, no, come on. Get with it. Well, we've got such a great show for you today. I mean, we have so much to discuss because technically we've been off for two weeks, right? Because, I mean, you know, we had an interview show last week, so I count that as kind of a week off It's been when it's just the, uh, you know, just you and me. And although that was a super fun show last week, I got to say, I mean, I, I thought it was very lively. So uh, I have a, another interview that I was doing with the guy from the West Bank Cafe, but I, since the... Um, the interview with uh, Pat Hughes and Cece was so kind of fun. I just kept that being the one, and uh, we'll talk to Pat Hughes later in the week or later later next month. But uh, not Pat Hughes, uh, Steve Olson. But yeah, that, they they were he was very entertaining. Let alone, I mean, folks, it's me, Dave Juskow. What's my favorite topic? Chicken wings, buffalo chicken wings. You know when he's talking about the sauce. And how some ghost came in and taught him how to make the right sauce. I mean, that's, again, that's, that's almost Amy Heckerling, uh, you know, like, well, let's end the podcast forever on that. That's the last podcast episode because he, he almost told, if he had told us the secret ingredient, uh, which our friend Gabriel from Canada says is could be yogurt. Uh, I guess really that would have been the end of the podcast. I mean, you know me, and I'm always talking about where to find the best chicken wings on the planet, which isn't a thing anymore because another restaurants are open. But, uh, yeah, we're supposed to go to Scruffy Duffy's, I hope, next week with Cece so I can uh, see these wings and see how they get. But, of course, you know, if you're eating outside, I don't know if it's the same experience. So, you know, obviously, as you know, I don't want to eat outside anymore ever again, maybe like ever again, not even in the summertime. So I don't know. I'm done with that. Finally, I went down to my bar on you know Wednesday and was able to sit indoors. Well, thank God. And I will tell you that my boots, my new boots, were very helpful as I was taking that motor scooter and freezing, the snot going all over the place. I can't, you know, it's just, and I'm wearing my mask, which probably makes it worse because I'm breathing in hot air and it has nowhere to go. Uh, but my hands were freezing. My body was freezing again. Could not get the core temperature up. After that trip, uh, March 9th is the day I've been trying to make it to before I take a taxi or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm totally enjoying riding the scooter and everything. It's just so cold. And March 9th will be the full year. And I can say I made it a full year without taking any, um, you know, subway, taxi, Uber, bus, uh I'll be able to say I've made it a full year. So just a few more weeks to go, and then I can probably just start taking, you know, whatever. Uh, because, you know, what am I trying to prove, actually? Uh, everybody else is taking it, and they haven't really caught the virus. Or have they? I don't know. I got another test last Thursday at my mother's, and it came back negative. So 
I'm still doing okay, but why wouldn't I? I mean, you're. I mean, of course, having bad luck would be. You know, I mean, I stay in a lot. I pretty much go out one day a week, sometimes twice. So it'd be the worst to you know be able to catch that disease on the one day I decide to go out. And like Russ Maniv says, you know, catching it now when the end is in sight would be the worst thing. And our unfortunately, our friend cousin Frankie, who you know has diabetes and was a you know a health risk, uh, but unfortunately an essential worker who had to go back to work caught the virus. Was having a very bad time with it, and that's right at the very end. So we are hoping that he. I mean, of course he'll be okay, but he's just having a rough time. And I guess you know it hits people worse than others. And you have people like my sister who had, or, or Rachel, who all got the virus and, or all were tested positive and had no symptoms whatsoever. Rachel might have had some. I think her husband had it worse. So you just don't know who, when, and how it affects certain people. And I guess that has been the issue for the past year. I've been talking to people whose birthdays are you know, now and yesterday and tomorrow. And I'm like, hey, congratulations on being the last of the few who haven't celebrated a birthday in COVID yet. And of course, as we've talked about, my sister being the first person person to have the second birthday affected by COVID because it's been a goddamn year. And so the Comedy Cellar reopened, you know, the way, the, the horrible way. Uh, Cuomo's opening to 35% at the end of the month. And all that is bothering me. Because as you know, I am quite content in my little bubble of where I do nothing. And I'm very uptight about everything opening up again. Total fear of missing out and just trying to do the best I can to maintain. And I will tell you, you know, like many other people, uh, you know, which is a, a rabid thing more than it's ever has been, I'm not sleeping. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, so I, I've been basically sleeping in three-hour chunks I'll go to bed around one or try and go to bed at midnight. I got to get sleepy. Um, wake up at three and then I'm up for the rest of the day. And usually on Mondays through Wednesdays, I try and go to bed at seven again so I can listen to a brand new Howard Stern. And that usually lulls me to sleep in a way, not in a bad way, in a good way because I feel comfortable. I mean, uh, on September 11th, I remember being at uh, my, you know, spending the night at my girlfriend's house or whatever she was at that time. Uh, thank goodness having somebody to, you know, not be alone with on that particular day. And that we, we couldn't fall asleep until six o'clock. That's when he used to go on at six until he came back on. And then 20 minutes later, I was asleep knowing my friend technically, you know, quote was back on the air. And if that's something, if he's back to work, then it feels normal. And that's how important Howard is. And him going back to work was in a lot of our lives. Uh, who are Howard Stern fans. But, um, yeah, so that's, you know, and then I now lately this horrible habit of taking a nap around 5 o'clock in the afternoon and sleeping until 8 so I can get stuff done from 8 to 12 because otherwise I'm just drifting off because I only had three hours sleep. It's, a, it's not a good system. So because knowing I was going to record the podcast today on Saturday, February 20th, uh, coming out on the 20th, Third? Shit. God, I cannot get the dates right. But you know, Tuesdays are usual Tuesdays. Uh, Unless you're a Patreon subscriber, then you get it possibly tonight. Uh, 
I'm sorry, I had two things I wanted to say, and I wanted to keep them in my head. The, the first being, uh, I apologized last week. Well, I mean, I, I don't know that I apologize, but I think I put it out on you know either Sunday or Monday because it took me a while to put together the video portion of the show. If you were, you know, if you were a uh, Bernie and uh, Up subscriber, you get to see the video portion as well. Otherwise, I put that a month later. On YouTube, and, it, and I think I've figured out a really fun way that the video is very entertaining, um, you know. And, and I've heard from a lot of you, and thank you so much, uh, saying that you're enjoying the the new way I'm putting it together, you know, with clips and photos, you know, just trying to up the reason why you would watch a video of three talking heads, you know. So when I was mentioning the closure of restaurants, you know, there's pictures now of those restaurants and. If my guest mentions something, I can put a picture up or something, and I think it's a much more effective way of doing uh, a video show. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure people do that all the time. Well, they do it in the news, but I don't know whether they do it in this format. But I'm doing it, and I'm putting the time in, which I know you guys appreciate, and I appreciate you appreciating it. Because I have a lot of people you know, that do video podcasts, and they're just sitting there talking to like Sarah Silverman, quite frankly – Who's making a fortune? I, I don't think she does anything new. You know, she just listens, but there's no reason for her to be on video. That that's all I'm saying. And they just do the minimal amount possible, and I try and go that extra mile, especially when you know people are paying for it. So I do the best I can with the time that I have, and um, which of course is so much time. But you know, I also want to work on other things. Which I don't know what they are. But, uh, you know, I, I have to think, you know, I have to sit sometimes and think, like, should I read a comic book or should I read a book? Um, th- these are important things I have to deal with. But now I don't remember what the hell I was talking about before. And it was how in bedtime. Oh, yeah. So I knew I was doing the podcast. Look at me. I remembered everything. I'm not going as insane as I think. Um, I took a Xanax before I went to bed because what I have noticed is that the reason I'm not sleeping and many Americans aren't sleeping and many people around the world, I suppose, it's all panic and stress, and how could it not be? How could it not be? I don't know how I'm going to make a living. How I've survived this long is a miracle. The stocks have been helping. I can't explain why or how that that's working somehow. But that's how I've been staying alive. I have no income, no unemployment. Um, nothing is coming in. They, you know, as you know, they, they, they're trying to evict me, you know, it's, uh, but, you know, they can't, but right now, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of stress. That's very stressful. Thinking of the future, you know, the thinking to myself, there's no way I can make the living at least that I used to make if that's what I'm going to do <clears throat> at a, a comedy club or something until 2022. Because even if they open, you know, now he opens 35%, then he opens 50 and let's say by the end of the year, it's 100%. Let's just say it's 100%. How many people are coming? You know, there's you, there could be 100%. You can say now we can open things the way we used to, but you know there's going to be uh, 25 to 50% of the population that says, I'm not ready for that anymore. So the odds of sellouts until at least 2022 are extremely slim you know, not being Dave Chappelle or whatever. So who knows? And so, yes, does that make me panic? Of course, it makes everybody panic. I don't know what's happening. I, you know, then I feel like I have health issues. I'm not eating right, even though, yes, I do the Nutrisystem, but I've been definitely slacking on it because I'm getting just confused on what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What am I doing on the weekends? I don't have any plans. I mean, I'm very confused. And that, of course, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I went outside, so... Uh, just before to get 
coffee, and so I'm a little stuffy. Um, and that leads to lack of sleep. I mean, at this point, I'm so afraid of sleeping, I can't picture falling asleep in my head. It's making me uncomfortable just falling asleep. I mean, it's like I'm thinking about that. So that's when you know it gets pretty bad. So anyway, the Xanax that I've left over from 2008, because I'm very good about, you know, those kind of drugs. I'm not one of those people like, you know, when I get Vicodin from, you know, get my stupid hair done, oh, this fucking guy, or, uh, you know, an operation or something. I use it very sparingly, and when I'm done, I'm done. I don't, it's not an addiction issue for me. But I got to tell you that the Xanax is extremely helpful for sleeping. So I'm afraid to take sleep. My Aunt Judy gave me a couple of sleeping pills. And Jesus Christ, I mean, her mother was using sleeping pills in the fucking 60s and 70s. My mama Ruth, that's what we call her, my grandmother on my dad's side, Aunt Judy's mother, was using sleeping pills forever. She had sleep issues all the time. I mean, she was like me and, uh, you know, and all my comic friends, She or, or Aunt Judy, really, we'd be up till three or four in the morning and then she'd sleep till noon so you know getting those habits made a lot of sense to me but she would take sleeping pills all the time she would offer me sleeping pills in the 70s you know before you knew maybe i shouldn't offer uh (laughs) my grandson sleeping pills but um yeah i remember when we were in florida that's right because i was staying up all the time but that's because i was afraid of that movie carrie uh would have just come out so i was i couldn't tell anybody that though but now i love it i watch it all the time but uh (laughs) Anyway, got them all over the place. But so I don't like sleeping pills because I feel that affects. I don't know how they work. And, you know, a lot of you are sitting there like, no, they're great. They've got it figured out, which maybe they do. But I always feel with sleeping pills, you know, you wake up the next morning, you're still groggy. And I know they have pills that have figured that situation out. But the Xanax is working. The Xanax, clearly the reason I'm not sleeping is is panic and stress and panic attacks. So I took a pill last night because I noticed it was working. And I said, you know, it'll be great. If I could sleep a full eight hours uh, and then get up and do the podcast, you know, at a decent hour around 11 o'clock or something like that. And it worked just like a charm. I went to bed at one. I said, I know I'm going to – I think I went to bed around 1230. And I said, I know I'm going to wake up at 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock. And then I'll watch TV until 7 and try and go to sleep. And then by the time I wake up, it'll be like 1 o'clock and I've wasted the whole day. And I really want to get a lot of stuff done today, like editing the podcast so I can put it out to you early. Because I think everybody's enjoying getting the audio on Saturday night sometimes. You know, obviously sometimes that can't happen, as we said last week. But um, so I took a Xanax and uh, slept eight hours. And I feel great. Uh, I was just walking around like a zombie yesterday, and I'm like, I don't want to be that way, especially if I'm doing the podcast. So, goddamn, that Xanax is very effective. I don't want to take it every night, but when there's things I want to do the next day, Xanax is the perfect way. I don't wake up groggy. I just wake up and and well-rested. I just can't believe it. So it's very clear that, uh, you know, a a, a, a 10-year-old expired Xanax, it's that much of where you know if you could just take off a little of the edge for me and and the panic that i'm thinking about with you know finances or or comedy or you know the podcast you know just recording it actually the podcast causes me really very little stress uh but you know what i'm talking about uh that seems to be the difference for me it is not a sleeping pill i need it's just something to relax my heart and my mind for just a couple of hours so I can just um, 
be normal and think straight. And I'm sure all of you understand that. So I just have to get a new prescription, but I don't have a doctor, and I don't think the city MD will give you a prescription for Xanax. I mean, maybe I'll ask last next time, but I usually go in for my thyroid medication, and it's they're already giving me trouble that I haven't gone to see a doctor about upping the thyroid or, or lowering it or whatever. So it's hard to ask for two things, and I don't know whether that's something they do or anything. You have to go to regular. I got to find a regular doctor, obviously. But you know, it's been such a strange year. It's tough to do. So anyway. That all being said, the last time we left each other was before the Super Bowl. I recorded before the Super Bowl. You all know what happened. The Kansas City Chiefs lost in a major fashion. I mean, oh, my God. Uh, so you were worried. What's the matter? You know, what happened with uh, your, your pal Dave Juskow? Well, it was pretty bleak at first. And then go figure, me and my friend Joe and Caitlin won the Staten Island box pool, we won because, as you know, there was no scoring in the fourth quarter, which was unbelievable because you definitely could have put a bet on that. I would have put yes, and I would have put every dollar I had on it that there would be a definite score of some form in the fourth quarter. So we won the third quarter, having one in nine in our box pools, and then we won the whole thing. We ended up winning 6000 bucks. so... Yes, it was cool, and everything was unstressful after that, except the stress of having to go to Staten Island and pick it up, which is very stressful. Joe's like, maybe you should bring somebody with you. I'm like, well, uh, you know, I was going to bring Irene's husband, Steve, big, tall, super tall firefighter guy who, he knows the one who put me in the pool in the first place, but um, I thought 6000 was fine. If we had won the $500 a box pool that pays $30,000, I would have absolutely bought somebody with me. But I felt for this, this is something that's normal. You know, 6000 bucks in Staten Island is not that big a deal. They're running pools over there like that, you know, were $1.1 million or whatever. So, you know, no big deal, right? So um, I call the guy and I say, you know, can I come by? Like, not that day, but a couple days later. I'm like, are you good? You know, I figured he made to, to make collections. But on Thursday after the Super Bowl, I say, you know, can I come in before I go see my mom? Like, in the morning. And I and he was like, yeah, the morning will be good. I'm like, really? So I didn't think that would be the case. Anyway, I went to Staten Island that day, and I just waited in the parking lot for a while. Um, sitting in this parking lot in this place in Staten Island, this dump, uh, where they also have a flower shop. And I'm just sitting there because I know I'm a half hour early and I'm just sitting there and I'm listening to Howard and I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm like, come on, let's get this going already. I want to get this going uh, because I had a, a COVID test scheduled for like 1215 and it's like 1030. I know that's plenty of time, but I don't know. I was getting nervous. And um, I just this flower shop is going crazy. They're like people going in and out. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. What the fuck? You know, and I'm like getting there. Like, I think they're nervous. Like, why is this guy sitting in his car? And I'm nervous. I'm like, why are they going back and forth? They got trucks coming in. And out. I'm like, wow, I think we all fucked up and clearly should have been in some sort of flower business. What the fuck are these people doing in the middle of the goddamn winter? It occurs to me like two days later. Oh, my God, it's Valentine's Day. Of course. That is exactly when you want to own a flower shop. It wasn't val- it was two days before Valentine's Day. Wow, were they bustling? Damn, I couldn't figure it out, right? You never see that in a flower shop. And then I'm like, you know what? I'll get my mother some flowers. Hey, hey I got my mother something. 
So I got her some flowers because um, I had nothing to do. So I went in there and, boy, they were like, uh, you have a customer. They, they were like running around like chickens without a head. It was unbelievable. Not figuring out it was Valentine. I'm like, of course. And then, of course, it made so much sense. I am friendly since I was 10 uh, with a girl who runs a flower shop in Jersey, and it's her birthday on February 4th. And I'm even afraid to text her or call her on February 4th because it's 10 days before Valentine's Day. It's like calling an accountant on April 14th and being like, what's up, buddy? What are you doing? I'm I'm, I'm really busy today. I think I'm going to have a heart attack. So what's been going on? You want to get dinner? No, you fucking idiot. <laughs> So uh, similarly, if you call a, a florist on the 12th or 13th, you're an asshole and you're not thinking straight. But anyway, I go into the uh, the bar and the guy's sitting in there and, you know, you got to tip out. You make the money. You got to, you know, you got to tip out 10%. So I was very uptight about that because I'm like, all right, so I'll get them. Should I bring in uh, 600 bucks or should, should I count it out when I'm there? You know, it's uh, I don't know. It, it's like, I, I guess this is the way it works. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's that, not, that is definitely the way it works. You don't fool around. And so I, he was on the phone and I took, and the money was amazing. It was like a big, like, a, like in the movies, you know, like in a, like in a suitcase, all in like the three big, you know, stacks. It was exciting. And I counted out 600 bucks and I gave it to the guy. He goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know. Just uh, thanks a lot. And he goes, no, no, I already took it out. And I'm like, you did? He goes, yeah, you told me to. I'm like, no, no, I never told you to. And he's like, you didn't? And I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, it's fine, but I never told you to do it. And um, then finally he got off the phone because it's kind of rude to still be on the phone when I'm picking up that kind of money, you know, like, um, but he's a nice guy and everything. So um, so then he checked his text and he see I did not tell him to take it out, which is, again, f- that fine if we discuss that. That's fine with me. Um, but it was kind that he didn't at least take the additional money I was going to get him, thank God. And um, then he made me put it in the the counter, like in Scarface, you know, uh, where, where they counted them, you know, where he gets caught. And they count the money. I had to put it. He's like, no, no, put it in this thing. Make sure it's all there. I mean, it was pretty exciting. And then I asked him, all right, what happens if you get the the $30,000, what happens? He goes, all right, well, if you win that, you have to bring somebody else. Isn't that funny that that's like the you you must bring somebody else with you? And then, uh, you know, we come we go in the back, and, um, and I'm like, uh, the back? He's like, yeah, yeah, you go in the back, and then you give, we give you a bag, and we wrap up the money in a T-shirt from the bar, you know, in the bag. And then you got to order food, and you got to come out with food and the money in the bag. So it looks like you're actually picking up something. I mean, it's all just like in the movies, like you'd think, where you got to pick out that money. And yeah, you got to bring somebody else. And uh, oh my God, right? I mean, that that is just uh, every movie incident you've ever seen walking out of there. I'm kind of glad we didn't win that because that just seems terrifying. You got, you got if you got to bring somebody else to pick up your winnings. That's um, I don't know, maybe out of my depth. But uh, still, it was super fun. And then I don't know whether I told you, it probably didn't, but the week before, I'd gone into the bank to take out money, uh, you know, to pay, because, you know, you can't Venmo these people. And they, they were out of cash or something. My stupid Citibank, the stupid Citibank, they're the worst bank. 
They're like, oh, our systems are down. I'm like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, you can go to the ATM. I'm like, I'm coming here because I want certain denominations of bills, you fucking freaks. I was, I was really getting angry. And they called over the manager. I'm like, what the hell is this? You're, you're serious? You can't give me. So I was getting really upset because I've already had it with this bank anyway in their old-fashioned ways and stupidity, right? Anyway, I told the guy, this manager guy, I said, well, you know, go to Staten Island. I told him the whole story. I didn't give a shit. And so then I go in to deposit the money so I can, uh, you know, pay my friends. Uh, you know, but they get this wad of cash. And they're like, oh, our system's on down. And I started, I'm like, what? And I see the guy who knows that I was there last time. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. And this girl goes away crying. And he, and I go, dude, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know I was here last time when your systems were down. He goes, I- I'm so sorry. It's a complete coincidence. And I'm like, dude, this is unacceptable. You guys suck. And um, he's like, well, what do you need? I'm like, I just need some deposit money. Can you handle that? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I threw the wad of cash at him. It was really funny. <laughs> I don't know why. And I'm like, now you have cash to distribute to other people. I was so angry. Then I wish it was more so I could have really done a thing. But I, I mean, Jesus Christ, Citibank, I swear. And I told myself I would get out. I would get out and move to any other bank on the planet except there's, you know, you know how things are. Everything's tied in to your bank these days you know everything you'd have to change so much shit and it's just too much of a pain in the ass but they're an awful bank they just don't have the perks that these other banks like chase and td bank or whatever have where you know like i make a purchase and then on my phone it says you just made a purchase like i've been trying to get they're like we have that i'm like you don't have it you don't have it so i know exactly how much they've taken out there's like no good monitoring system. Citibank stinks. And I've written letters multiple times to the president and stuff, and no one obviously cares, and I certainly don't have enough money in there for them to care. But boy, I wish I did. They're a horrible banking institution, and I'd give anything to leave if it was just easy. And maybe it is easier, and maybe this is the perfect time to change everything, but uh, who cares? I know I'm going to get over it as soon as I leave the bank. You know, It's like, again... It's gonna be like the Matrix. I'm gonna have a, uh, I'm gonna have a, a bite of the cookie, and you'll, I'll end up feeling fine. Or in like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, where you have to, you know, after the Dementors torture, you have a piece of chocolate, and you'll feel fine. That's for the, uh, the the nerds in the audience. Well, that's the other thing. So, well, all right, geez, I got I got to go in order here. Um, okay, so. Oh, so oh my God, there's so much to talk about. So we're we're gonna be, do. Do you have time? Have you gone to the bathroom? Have you had something to eat? Um, all right, so that day, then I went back to my mother's, right? You're not going to believe this. I go back to my mother's, and uh, it's uh, snowy and horrible out because maybe it had snowed the day before. I don't know what happened. It was not nice outside. I mean, it was nice, but um, it, it was snowing or whatever. And, uh, you know, we were going to go to the diner. But my mother's having a hard time putting on her boots because her feet are like enormous. I don't know. Something's wrong with her foot, and it's all swelled up like a, like an elephant. I think she has elephantitis. I don't know. She can't. She can hardly put on boots. And apparently she doesn't want to go out, but she'll never tell us. You know, it's like it's just easy to say, like, I don't want to go out today. Can we order in? And I would say, of course. But just be fucking honest. It's really frustrating. So 
she's not honest. And then when she can't put her boots on, Pez says, well, mom, do you not want to go out? She's like, yeah, I don't want to go out. I'm like, all right, so we'll order in. And I get, yes, I get a disappointed look and my sister gets really upset because I thought we were going to the diner. You know, I'm driving down and I'm thinking what I'm going to have at the goddamn diner. Everybody knows, just give me a heads up. And then I can look forward to it in my head and figure it out, let alone that I can pick it up on the way so I don't have to go read back out. Because I was just there where we ordered the Chinese from to get the COVID test. So, you know, yeah, I'm getting fucking annoyed because this all could have been handled with a little bit of honesty. So we decide to get Chinese food and I go back out and I order it from this new place because the other place sucks and it smells. So we go and order all this stuff. Now... You know, I mean, my sister and I, we like shrimp. My mother likes shrimp, too. And all right, this time I ordered in front of her, I ordered pork fried rice. I mean, pork fried rice is the only kind of fried rice to get. Pork fried rice is delicious. Now, normally I never order pork anywhere because uh, for some reason, even though, you know, I do keep kosher in the house, I, I will bring in, but I cook kosher for some reason. I just never order pork. I mean, it's very rare. They order pork. I don't know, because for some reason, when you say the word pork, it just, we know it's not kosher, but it just seems like you're really just asking for it. For some reason, ordering bacon's fine. When you say the word pork, for some reason in my head, as delicious as it is, seems like I'm being an asshole. I I can't explain to you the 5,000 years of uh, regret and, um, <laughs> you know, whatever you feel when you feel you're doing something wrong. And guilt, that's the word. So I ordered pork fried rice just in case I didn't like uh, the dish that they were having. And the pork fried rice was awful, by the way. And my sister ordered shrimp with lobster sauce, something she never even has. And I left. And then when I came back with the food, which, of course, I purchased because I'm like, no, you got to let me pay today. I'm loaded. (laughs) I just come back from Staten Island. (laughs) It's like, no, no, I'm paying today. And there's nothing you can say (laughs) to stop me today. Um, cause usually they don't want, let me pay, but not, you, you know, you show them a wad of cash and then you say, no, you guys get it. That's, you're a dick. Anyway, I bring back the food and then Beth mom's on the phone or something. Beth goes, I want to tell you what Grammy said, but you're just going to get angry and you're going to say it in your podcast. I'm like, well, I'll definitely say it in my podcast, but I won't get angry. But apparently, uh, <laughs> she, when I leave, she goes, I can't believe you're bringing that trafe into my house. Like she was angry that we were bringing the shrimp, mostly the shrimp into the house and we're like what where's this coming from since we were kids we've been ordering chinese food into the house with shrimp and pork fried rice my dad used to order it all the time since we were children why today was she get what did she think we were going to order and again if she had said well i don't want to bring that kind of tray from the house which we would have said you decided in 2021 that's the day we're not going to bring stuff into the house i mean we just did it a month ago so why today? I don't know. And um, and again, my mother eats shrimp, which apparently, you know, any shellfish, shellfish is not kosher if you don't know. Uh, but she just doesn't, I guess, doesn't eat it in the house. And um, oh, my, my sister couldn't even believe it. Because she's like, why didn't you say something then? Why all of a sudden is this happening? What is going on? So no, I did not get mad. We, but we just said this woman is completely losing her mind, which is very clear. But I know it sounds like we're just an older woman, but... No, I don't think this is any kind of like dementia or Alzheimer's. It's just, this is just a crazy person who has always been crazy. And, uh, you know, again, we didn't notice until our dad died that she's completely insane. 
and very selfish. Oh, I don't even. Oh, I didn't even tell you the absolute worst. I wonder if I should tell you. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to tell. You know, let me wait a week on that one because there's something that's so bad that my sister, my mother, and Aunt Judy are so angry. I mean, I know my mother doesn't listen, and I know I give her a lot of shit, but uh, this is so bad. I don't want you guys to hate my mother. That's how bad it is. This one is the icing on the cake for the six years of what I've been telling you guys how awful she is in a, you know, not awful in the sense that she beats us or anything, you know, but in just the selfishness, um, you know, and horrible grandmotherness of it, uh, even though this has nothing to do with grandmothering. This is just being a bad person, a bad friend, a bad mother. So uh, I'm not ready. Uh, let me talk to my sister and ask her if it's okay. <laughs> I'll let you know. But it's pretty goddamn bad. Um, it's the selfishness to the max. Uh, but again, I could take selfishness with, um, you know, other things that I'm sure other mothers that really are truly awful are. So it was funny. I was talking to Joe the other day and we were talking about like, you know, she had a, oh, she had a guy stay over the other day because of the storm. So she's, I don't know what's happening over there and her and that, that cat house she's running. Um, and we're like, well, what's your offer him to eat? And we're like, well, that's the question, you know, like, because do you want tuna fish on a frozen bagel? And and, and Joe is saying, you're like Joe Pesci and good when he's like, because I was like, if she ever meant, I mean, I can't believe at this point she's still mentioned because she must know I'm going to blow my lid. So it's going to be like Joe Pesci being like, that don't say it, don't say it, ah ah ah. Motherfucker! Hey, this guy. I told you, I told you to go fuck yourself. I told you, I told you to go fuck your mother. Um, yeah, ah, ah, ah. Don't say it. Don't say it. Oh, I. Well, what can I get you if you want? If you're hungry, I can get you. I mean, how could she not know at this point? Nobody could be that stupid to forget that many times. It really feels like at a certain point, and when I say certain point, twenty to thirty years. After a certain point, when you know somebody's going to fly off the handle at something, when you said, well, I can offer you, oop, sorry, almost said it. That's what a normal person would do if she's going to start offering us stuff. It's very clear by that point, just shut up. Uh, you'd be better off saying, why don't I go out and get you something? Which, of course, we'd never let her do, but that's what you should say. Or, again, you know I come every Thursday have something ready. <laughs> Even a, a Hunt's snack pack pudding jar. <laughs> I mean, anything. Ugh. Okay, look, I'm not going into that today. That was not on my list of stuff to talk about. But speaking of the Super Bowl, the um, funniest thing happened, these people with COVID, it's so funny, you know, the, the two-facedness of it. And this isn't two-faced, but it's, you know, it's just funny. You know my friend who is the lead guitarist of Joan Jett? His name is Dougie Needles. And we really are very close. And obviously I've seen him perform multiple times. And we hang out and drink together, right? So we are close. And he came to the screening of Turbocharge. Believe me, this guy has been in my life a long time. And he's the best. And I mean, watching him perform, and I've told you before, it's just an honor. And it's awesome. So I'm watching the early Super Bowl, you know, like around the Super Bowl starts at 6.30, maybe around 3.30 in the afternoon. You know, I'm watching some of the pre-stuff. And I turn on TV, and he's on, and he's playing. Joan Jett was like a pre-concert uh, thing for the people, you know, just uh, outside or something like that. And so they're showing 
Joan Jett playing at the Super Bowl. And I'm like, what this guy, Dougie has not been out of the house in the full year. He lives in the West Village, and he's one of those people that's very afraid of COVID. So it's so funny, after one year of not leaving his house like Larry Moss has been doing, well, the one thing he gave, well, I got to play the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, it's like the, the biggest joke. Like, well, I mean, the Super Bowl. It's like that that stupid thing. <clears throat> I'm going to comment, uh, take back some of my wording. But that. I don't want to say horrible because I like her, I find her attractive, and she's a good actress. But that girl, Annalie Ashford, who's on that awful show, Be Positive, that I only watch for her, certainly not the lead guy. He's awful, a horrible actor. Um, But this girl is so talented and pretty. But it's like her idiocy. Remember when we were talking about where she goes, you know, it's in the paper, like, oh, her and her husband have just been in their one-bedroom apartment with their son during COVID. She's like, yeah, the only thing I went out to do was my... My network TV series in Hollywood. I had to keep going out for that. You know, like, shut the fuck up, right? Look, I'm still angry as I'm saying it. But it's like that. It's like Dougie's like, uh, well, you know, I had to go out and do the Super Bowl. You know, which, of course, is the worst place to go if you're afraid of the virus. (laughs) The Super Bowl. (laughs) So that was hilarious. But it was so good and so exciting to see him on the show. That was great. Um, and, uh, let me just tell you right now that, uh, about a Tuesday show, uh, tonight's show. And, um, if you are hearing this and I'll put it on Patreon, um, if you want to ask questions, our guest is Dave Bryan from Bon Jovi. If you want to ask any questions and you are on the, uh, Maggie level, please, uh, write me at the Patreon place and I will answer, uh, hopefully, um, you know, give you the shout out and the questions. So Dave Bryan from Bon Jovi, the keyboardist and also the composer for the Broadway show Memphis and to come Diana based on Princess Diana, um, which got affected by the coronavirus will be on our uh, comedy seller nightly show with his daughter, Gabby Bryan, who is trying to be a stand up comic and actress. And that ought to be quite the interesting show and of course colin smith i wonder if colin smith will be nervous performing in front of somebody like dave bryan i can't imagine that's the case but um that is the show and that should be quite interesting and i thought last week's show was actually and i heard from a bunch of you and i appreciate it very much everybody enjoyed last week's show with tom pop and wendy liebman <clears throat> it's funny my sister called me right after and said this was your best show because finally the comics seem to get the middle part where i'm showing the pictures and 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 joke about the the slides or or whatever the news you know it, they're getting into it so they finally got it these were two terrific people tom pop is obviously great wendy lehman you know how i feel about her so uh everybody really enjoyed the show which made me very happy uh this week will be obviously different because they're not you know as funny and stuff but still it's exciting to have them on uh the week after on march 2nd i believe will be right now it's uh jim norton uh, from the uh, Sirius XM radio show, uh, from Jim and Sam show, and then uh, the other guest, To Be Determined. And the week after that is uh, Cypher Sounds. I don't know if you know him. He's a comic and a DJ. He used to be on Hot 97. And Rachel Feinstein. We're inviting her back. Can you believe it? I have gone full circle and forgiven her. And I'm uh, trying to put her back on the show. We'll see if that same thing happens to Marina. Not in this lifetime. Governor, but we will see. That's uh, Tuesday's show. 
now I want to tell you, I've decided that uh, right now I'm going to talk about, yeah, let me just check my list here. Yeah. Um, really quickly, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Everyone who is a member of this show understands how much I hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and whatever their theory is on inducting somebody. Now, we all know there's politics involved in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but yes, here are the nominees. Here are the nominees, all the nominees for the 2021 class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mary J. Blige, Kate Bush, Devo, Foo Fighters, The Go-Go's, Iron Maiden, Jay-Z. I know, just relax. <laughs> Shaka Khan, Carol King, Fila Cootie, huh? LL Cool J, The New York Dolls, Rage Against the Machine, Todd Rundgren, Tina Turner, and Dionne Warwick. Now, this is a pretty good class. But, of course, here we are again, that if they were to choose Jay-Z or Shaka Khan, although I do believe they should be inducted somewhere, come on. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Change the name. However, I insist that this is one of those years that the Go-Go's better make it in. There should be no issue in choosing the Go-Go's, but are they rock and roll? Not technically. Technically, they're alt-rock or a different kind, but they definitely are rock, and if we're using the term rock and roll loosely, which we are for you know everybody we've let in, because I think Devo should absolutely be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But listen, they're not rock and roll. Okay, so we're using the term loosely. But again, not loose enough where rock and roll is considered Shaka Khan. All right? That's that's where the line needs to be drawn. Dion Warwick should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I get it. Whatever. Like I said, Whitney Houston last year. I mean, Whitney Houston... In the Music Hall of Fame is a no-brainer. But in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, no. So just change the goddamn fucking name and make me happy, please. Just call it the Music Hall of Fame. But whatever, whatever, gotta let that part go. What I'm saying right now is if you're not nominating the Go-Go's, so I think this is their first time around, I think you have to be not recording for 25 years, and I guess that's it. Uh, I believe that's how you get in. Well, no, wait, that's a, you have to be around because the Foo Fighters just came out with a new album, so I don't know. I don't know what the thing is. Um, the Go-Go's need to go in their first time around. And let me tell you something. I'm going to start a petition to close down the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and put a stop to it forever if the Go-Go's do not get inducted. I know we were talking about this last time. I think I don't remember who the hell it was last year. You can't remember from year to year. It's just like who won best Oscar last year. Who the fuck remembers? No one. And yet, in 1972, who was he? It was The Godfather. What about 73? It was The Sting. 74. Why can I remember all those? Because those are classic movies. Now all the movies stink. Anyway, look, old man. Um, the reason why the Go-Go's need to be nominated, for obvious reasons, because they're great. And they were great. And they're 
and they're great. But if you're talking to me about 2021 and you don't induct, not just nominate, induct the only all-girl band you've ever inducted in this day and age, in 2021, even if they weren't great, which they were, you're a fucking moron. So I'm saying, unless these people truly are fucking morons, which they might be, the Go-Go's are going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, first ballot. You got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, seriously, you got to be kidding. Even um, Belinda Carlisle's gay son, and I'm only saying it that way because he really is gay, and apparently it's a big deal for some God knows reason in this day and age. Um, <laughs> he wrote an op-ed piece saying why the Go-Go should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but his uh, facts and the way he wrote it is just stupid. We all know why the Go-Go should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You don't really even have to say it. It's delightful that this kid's coming out and speaking about it, but it, this is a no-brainer. You, you don't have an all-girl band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they were the first. So all of it adds up and makes sense, and you add in the Me Too movement, which has been forgotten, <laughs> and the women. You got the first woman vice president in the history of time, and you're not going to induct the Go-Go's. I don't think that's – there's no way that doesn't happen. If you don't induct the Go-Go's, seriously, folks, we have a problem with the Rock and Hall of Fame. And every woman – I'll be okay this time if every woman starts getting angry, unlike that stupid twat – who got angry about Tom Brady throwing the Lombardi Trophy, as you might have seen last week on my show, um, over the boats because her dad crafted that trophy and they're showing it disrespect. You're a horrible, horrible person. Why don't you shut up? The world's got too many fucking problems for that nonsense. But this is a problem because you're really just saying, no, we really feel, uh, you know, there's other people that should go. You know, Mary J. Blige, it's much more important that she go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Go-Go. Shut up. Mary J. Blige. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? I say you definitely go Foo Fighters. Are you fucking kidding me? These guys are the epitome of rock and roll. I mean, Iron Maiden should technically go in too. But even though they're not really rock and roll, you know, they're metal. But that's all right. I mean, they're legends. And, and Todd Rundgren, absolutely he should be in there, right? I'm talking about Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And the flip side of that, do I think Tina Turner should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame technically? Absolutely. So the list, and Kate Bush, I mean, she shouldn't be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I could see her being in, you know, Hall of Fame. I mean, she, she was really good in her day and interesting. But Devo, you, you, let, let, if you want to put on an exciting show at least, you got to put in the Go-Go's and Devo, and that ends your your 80s. You know what I'm saying? And you got to put in the Foo Fighters, right? So right there, that's a really interesting show. But they always put in somebody you'd never heard of. So they'll probably put in that Fila Cootie, right? There's always somebody you like want to turn it off, and you're like, well, I'll fast forward through this. So I assume that's who they're going to put on. But why not put in Tina Turner before she dies? And just because we all love Tina Turner, we all know what she's been through. Put her in. We don't need Dionne Warwick in there. She's not going to be interesting when she performs. Tina Turner. I mean, if you're talking about making a show and you want a show that people are going to watch, then you go Go-Go's Devo, Tina Turner. What's that? Three Go-Go's Devo. Two. Oh, Foo Fighters. 
And who would be the fifth one then? New York Dolls. That's a perfect one because I have no idea who the fuck they are or what they sing. But I know they've been around for years. Boy, that's a good show. I mean, you could put in LL Cool J because, you know, he puts on a show. <laughs> Carol King. Carol King is on that list. How is she not going to make it? And then you're going to put in the Go-Go's and Carol King and Tina Turner. You've done all you need to do for women in one year. You've showed everybody that it's not a boys club. Look at this. So it should be interesting, but I'm telling you, you know, if the Go-Go's, the Go-Go's, out of all of them, don't get in. I'm going to go ballistic. I really don't think that's going to happen. So I don't think there's anything to worry about. Everybody relax. I think we're going to be okay. Um, so much more stuff to talk about. I met with the woman the day after I, uh, oh, no, no, it wasn't. It was on a Monday. I went out to, uh, the, the mall in Jersey and I met with this woman to do mall shows. She's, she's really funny. We finally met, you know, after years of cancellation. And when I say years, I mean months. So I went to the mall and I got there early. Because, you know, I was afraid of how I was going to leave the city and all that stuff. So I got there early. And I'm like, well, it'll be fun to walk around the mall. And then once I was in the mall, I was getting a little nervous. Because I just haven't walked in a mall or any place like that that's full of COVID in a year. But I was walking around wearing the mask, obviously. And everybody else was wearing masks. So eh, just walk around a little bit. See how it is. Go to the bathroom. Because, you know, I come all the way from the city. I always got to go to the bathroom. And what I really was excited to do was go to the Barnes & Noble that's attached to it. They have their own outdoor space, so it's not totally in the mall, you know, so it feels kind of bright and breezy and wide open. So that one I didn't feel uh, COVID problems with. They have their own entrance. It's really large. And I realized how much I missed going to a Barnes & Noble. I'm not a reader. I'm not an avid I'm not a reader. But I love Barnes & Noble. I love looking at the big selection of magazines because I'm an old man, right? So who do they make? They, they make network TV and magazines pretty much just for me. Dave Jeskow, the last person left alive that reads magazines and watches network TV. So I was really excited to look at that. And I wanted to pick up the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban illustrated book. It's the third one in the series where I've been reading, you know, the big, giant illustrated books, which are the exact book. But they also have nice illustrations. I said, well, that's a good way for a child like me to actually read the books. And I've been really enjoying them. So it's really funny how I really am like, well, let's read some more. Like it's, uh, it's exciting, even though, you know, I know the movies backwards and forwards. And then I like seeing the movies up until what I read. You know, I'll read a couple chapters and then I'll watch the movie and see what they cut out and everything. I'd see why people were like, oh, I can't believe they cut that out. Now I'm one of those people. Uh, so I've really been enjoying the uh, – Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, but it was exciting to buy the book at the store. I didn't want to get it on Amazon. I could. I was like, no, I want to go to the store and buy it. And then I bought two magazines <laughs> that <laughs> that are clearly made for me and uh, only people my age, maybe even older. Uh, so I bought a magazine, the fifty-year retrospective on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. <laughs> I read it cover to cover. It's like a life. They have those life magazines thing. I bought one. Remember, I bought one for uh, Eddie Van Halen. They had one of those. I love those kind of picture magazines. They give you no new information, but I don't care. I bought that Jaws one. That was really good. I just love it. And then I bought a Sean Connery one where they just go through all the bonds. I could read one of those every time. No new information. Actually, there was one little bit of information, which was good. So if you get one new bit of information, then it's worth it. 
And those magazines are really expensive too. I spent, I bought three items and I spent $78, I think. I had no idea it would be that much. But uh, I was so happy walking around there doing something semi normal. It was really terrific. Barnes and Noble, go figure. And I'd been waiting to go to one for a long time and just didn't seem like the right thing to do. But I had time to kill and it was great. And then me and this woman, Christine, we met. At this uh, restaurant, down. she wanted to meet at, um, the, it's called Havana something. And I said, that, God, that's the one place I don't want to meet. It's in part of the mall, in the upstairs section. That's I can't stand Cuban food. Can't stand it. That's the one thing I got to say no to. I'll meet anywhere else. And she goes, well, we'll meet at this place, Seasons 52 or whatever. And uh, we went in there, and that was actually quite pleasant. It was really quite pleasant. It was just great being in a restaurant. They had nice big boots. God, I love Jersey. Everything's just spread out and nice, and you're not cramped in. And that's why I love this 25%. You're not cramped in anymore. It's like everywhere's like eating in Jersey. Lots of space. So uh, we just had some appetizers, and I had a couple of scotches. We had a, a nice talk about the future. And she's really into it, man. She wants to do a mall tour, and I am all in on that. That'll be great if we can pull this together. Um, really terrific. So we're going to meet again. And uh, and then, oh, yeah, so we left. Like I said, we only had appetizers because I'm, you know, eating with somebody I don't know very well. I didn't eat that much. You know, I could have garbled down that and a whole bunch of food. So then right after that, I went to White Castle. Well, because I knew it was there and it was in Jersey. I said, no, I'm just going to get, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm just going to get one double cheese. I'm going to get two small ones. That's it. And a chocolate shake. No fries and not more. Because normally you buy like six hamburgers, you know, about three. And it was perfect and delicious, and I didn't get sick after. Normally, you know, everybody gets sick after. Uh, that's what it does. In fact, I think that's what it's for. I think they ask people if you want to do a cleanse. Well, have you tried White Castle? Uh, but uh, no, it was great. And then I just drove home eating the burgers. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, so that was a great night. Um, oh, and then she told me, remember I had told you about the COVID store that there was a, uh, you know, this brilliant man invented a COVID store during the COVID and, you know, you could buy masks. And remember I told you the story that she had told me that she was getting complaints that there wasn't enough social distancing at the COVID store, which was hilarious. And I use that on stage because it's the most funniest thing I've ever heard. Well, she told me that the guy like totally closed down and the whole store was a scam and the guy was like a scam artist. I mean, it makes total sense. You're going to make money off COVID. Remember I said it was a genius idea, but apparently the guy was a scam. He wouldn't give the number to the place. He's like, what do you need the number for? And she's like, what are you talking about? What do I need the number for? You're part of the mall. I need the number. Uh, uh, And then he just like went away and closed the space. Um, It was a complete scam, uh, which was... You know, even extra funny. I don't know why. So a lot of the stores closed in the mall, and it's her job, one of her jobs, to make it look like there's never been anything there. You know, like put posters up for other stores or whatever, so it so the mall doesn't so you can't see that all these stores have closed. And quite frankly, she does a pretty good job because I didn't notice until she told me that, and then I realized how many things I had gone past that were clearly made to look like. What are you talking about? There was never anything here. No, this is how we decided to do them all. You know, so that's their plan. It's pretty good. Take a sip of coffee. Yeah. So that was rather interesting. Uh, what is our... Okay. 
Okay. Now we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on. Um, wait, should I move on there or should I go? Okay. All right, I'm gonna tell you this first. Uh, my sister has been dying for me to watch the remake of the movie Valley Girl. You might remember Valley Girl in the 80s with Nicolas Cage, and I think the girl's name was Deborah Foreman. I don't know why I know that. She was cute as a button. And Nicolas Cage was amazing in the movie, and everybody liked the movie. It was a little movie, and it was really great. It had a couple of good songs, and it was really cool. About, uh, you know, a guy who goes to Hollywood High. Where do you guys go, Hollywood High? And a girl from the Valley. And we all know it. Anybody that listens to this show knows the movie Valley Girl from the 80s. So they remade it. And I'm like, what is this? And they remade it. And the the star in it is that really hot girl from that uh, Happy Death Day to me, um, which you must know that I know. I've seen both both versions because um, I even played like the end song of it for a long time. Uh, well, you wouldn't know that. But uh, anyway, this girl, Jessie Routh, maybe your name is she's really sexy. Good actress, too. And good singer. So anyway, my sister said, you got to watch, you got to watch it. Guys. I'm like, Ugh. So when I woke up in the middle of the night, when I'm like, all right, now I'll watch it. Because sometimes I can't watch that stuff. I'm like, I'm going to get depressed. I'm going to hate my high school again. I'm going to get upset. But it wasn't like that. So I had a lot of problems with it. Um, I, I kind of want you guys to check it out because there's a lot of nonsense to it. Now, first of all, I had no idea it was a musical. It's a musical. Did not know that. So it's all 80 songs resung. So it's like glee. Uh, so now that I've told you that, you might not want to see it because it's stupid. There are cameos from two of the chicks in the movie, which are delightful. Um, there's a, you know, kind of the opening is kind of a surprise, which I did not know. So I don't want to ruin it for you. Uh, but I will tell you that the villain in it, you know, the boy, if you remember. You know, the one that she is going to the prom with and then she meets the Nicolas Cage guy. The guy who plays the Nicolas Cage part, he's okay. I mean, he's handsome and all, but that's the problem. That's what made Nicolas Cage so fucking cool. He ain't that handsome. He was just cool and edgy. And his best friend was fun and and a real best friend. And in this movie, it's not like that at all. And this guy, I'm just going to tell you, the the lead guy, it's like, you know, at the end, I'm just like, why does she like him? He's a dick. There was no redeeming qualities in this guy for her to, you know, leave everything. So that's a major issue. Uh, and then, but the villain guy, the guy who's just going to the prom with that's perfect for her. He's, he's Him and his jock friends are in the tennis club. The guy's a tennis pro or whatever. And, and, they're, and they beat up on other kids. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're like, yeah, we're gonna, woo, we're gonna party. But he's, but he plays tennis. That what? It's like somebody, whoever wrote this. It's like they never even went to high school, and they're clearly not from the eighties, because I, I don't know what the hell they were doing. Now this, the costumes were better, and the song choice was much better than Wonder Woman eighty four, which was clearly written by somebody who must have never, who must have been born in 2000 and only heard about the 80s in books. So at least it's better than that. It takes place in the 80s. So that's kind of fun about it. And they use, uh, you might think, by the cars in it. And it's kind of fun. You know, the way they do the music is nice. The dancing's okay. Like I said, I didn't know it was going to be a musical. But if I put that aside and say, it's all right. But then there was all these flaws in the sense that this kid, I'm going to get, 
I'm, I'm going to get beaten up by this guy who plays tennis. You know, at least in the other movie, he was a wrestler. That made a lot of sense. I, and we don't know why he liked him. It looked like his hair was about to fall out any minute. And uh, and she was kind of a dick about it. Like, he, she breaks up with him, and he's about to have this huge tennis match. And I'm like, what an asshole on her part. So there was all these things where it just doesn't... You, like, you know how I always say, when you're writing, you have to care about the characters? I didn't care about any one of these characters. I thought they were both rather selfish, all three. And... Um, and the ending is uh, not satisfying for me, Dave Juskow, who enjoys the happiest of happy endings uh, in a musical. And I think I am allowed to have that. It's a fucking musical. This isn't just a regular comedy that I've been taught is always supposed to end in a marriage. That's what I was taught in film school. So all that said, I'd love for you guys to see it and tell me what you think. Um, my sister demanded I see it, and then I had all these comments. It is not horrible in any sense of the word, but uh, and it's short enough, but I certainly was sitting there, you know, an hour in going, God, I hope there's only 10 minutes left, which there was. So that's easy enough. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up. Now I'm going to bring up the stupidest thing you've ever heard of in your life, ever, okay? Now, again, we've been doing this show For how long? Six years, right? Six goddamn years. Six years. And and this is maybe the most pathetic thing I'm about to share with you. Now, I don't know what's happening. I'm going to blame it on COVID. I'm going to blame it on the fact that I don't work. I don't leave the house. I don't interact with people. And I'm so desperate for something that is just... Uh, like Good Witch. This is Good Witch all over again. That's something that's just going to sit there and I'm not going to get uptight about and I'm just going to relax and look at this stupidity that's not going to make me feel anything. And that that's what I'm going to share with you today. For some reason, and again, I cannot tell you why, this theme has been in my head for the past month. I have no idea why that theme had been in my head for a long time, but in my mind, I kept seeing the little kaleidoscope thing, and I'm like, where is that show? I haven't seen that show in a long time. I'm talking about the the show Family Affair with Brian Keith and Sebastian Cabot. What the fuck is that, madam? So I've been thinking about it, right? I'm thinking about it. It's in my head. I'm thinking, there's, there's a lot of things I'm thinking about this show, and I'm just like, where did that show come from? It's not like we remember it like the Brady Bunch, which was on, and we were watching, and so I guess it's a little before my time in a way, but the Brady Bunch I was watching, like I had to watch the episodes that came out that day. You know, I can remember when it was on Channel 7 on Fridays, you know, I, I got to see the new run, 
And then, of course, we all remember it from syndication. But Family Fair, I can only remember from syndication. I don't remember it ever being on, but I guess it was always on in the daytime. And it was just okay, and it wasn't a great show, but certainly, we certainly remember it. I remember, um, Jesus Christ, this guy, Al Zuckerman from my high school, used to do... Uh, he used to do an imitation of the kids Buffy and Jody. And, you know, there's so much now when I was thinking about that. I remember, like, I think I used Buffy as a reference in this old bit I got to the um, Aspen Comedy Festival with when I was talking about my old Halloween costumes. And I said, in 1971, I went as Buffy from Family Affair. I mean, everybody knew Buffy and Mrs. Beasley, Buffy and Jody from Family Affair. But we forgot because it's just... No one cares about it. It's not it didn't hold up in a sense, like the Brady Bunch or the Partridge family or stuff like that. Um, and yet it was a huge hit. But for some reason, no, we never talk about it. I mean, why would we? It's stupid. But um you know, I just was thinking about it all for some reason. And and I and I remember my drama teacher at school used to do an imitation of of of, of Brian Keith and Mr. French, and I stole it and used it in comedy i asked him his permission and i used to use it on stage now that i think about it i used to do a sebastian cabin imitation which again is why you've never heard of me and, and i have so few patreon followers because apparently in the 80s nobody i mean people were way into my ernie douglas imitation we've already spoken about that but apparently my sebastian cabot wasn't as popular as the Ernie Douglas Invitation, both produced by the same person, by the way. The Sebastian Cabin Invitation, which I believe I've done on this podcast before, goes like this. Mr. Davis, Buffy and Jody have fallen down the elevator shaft. I was wondering if I might inquire a physician. And then Brian Keith would always put his hand over his arm. And that was the whole bit, right? Uh, it, yeah, ain't that great? Uh, but... Um, you know, but it was a good bit in the sense you're always like, well, French always has his demeanor, so they've fallen down the elevator. They've fallen down the elevator shaft, or something, if I might inquire a physician. Um, listen, so I was looking it up, right? Because we're in COVID. I'm just looking up shit. And um, I'm like, well, where can I see that show? Let me see the show. Let me, let me listen to that theme song and see the show. I haven't seen the show in probably 40 years. But remember, it used to be on, and then you were like, eh. It wasn't like one of those things, oh, great family affair. You're just like, eh. <laughs> Nothing happened. So I watched the pilot, and it was fascinating. Completely fascinating. Fascinating to the point uh, of the opening before he got the kids, that Brian Keith was this you know, spectacular bachelor. <laughs> it's just so funny how they... They consider a bachelor in the 60s. Uh, I don't know. There was like a real, you know, they kept calling him a bachelor. I have to keep calling. I know the, I know. there's a show called The Bachelor. And I know, um, you know, I talk about it all the time. But, I mean, I guess, I, I guess I'm a bachelor. <laughs> but Brian Keith, I, I'm assuming he's probably around my age when he did it. But he, but he had money. He was an architect. And uh, just look at, and, and what. French was was I he is he was called a gentleman's gentleman. So he wasn't just a butler, he was like a personal assistant. But the best personal assistant ever, and he just seemed like he didn't care about himself or anything. This is what he did. And he went through his calendar and he drew his bath for him, just like Hobson. I mean, technically, it's exactly like that. He lived in a penthouse in New York City, went on a lot of dates, and 
and he had a butler or a gentleman's gentleman. And Mr. French was really angry when they got the kids. He goes, I am not a nanny, sir. I am a gentleman's gentleman. <laughs> so wait, I got to play you this one scene from the pilot. Welcome home, sir. Thank you, French. Uh, may we offer our congratulations, sir, on the cover of World Magazine? <laughs> we would have wished that you'd been better turned out, uh, speaking professionally, of course. Sure, well, that is an accident. I fell in the mud. I'm very sorry I let you down. <laughs> well, don't you worry, sir. We'll have your bath ready in a moment, sir. Relaxing after the long trip. Miss Applegate wondered if you'd be home in time for the opening of the opera. Am I? Yes, sir, but we preferred a quiet dinner at home. Ah, we did. Tomorrow, the horse show at the garden with Miss Forrester. Uh, Wednesday, the race is at Aqueduct with Miss Carstairs. Uh, Wednesday night, optional. The theater with Miss Davenport or the Mets against the Dodgers at the stadium. How do we feel about that? (laughs) Uh, We suggest the Mets against the Dodgers, sir. Recommend the Mets versus the Dodgers. But he says at the stadium. Well, here's another example of a guy that uh, wrote an episode that clearly had never been to New York. I'm pretty sure they didn't call Shea Stadium the stadium. Pretty sure they called Yankee Stadium the stadium. So I don't know what they were talking about, but isn't that funny? I'd prefer, would you prefer to go to the theater or the Mets? I prefer the Mets Dodgers game. I mean, I, I don't know why that's funny. I think it's just funny, Urch, because the Mets had just, you know, came out in 1962. So this is 1966. So maybe that was an exciting thing to do in the city. But look at this guy's event planning. You go to the opera. And then, I mean, I really need to do, I really need to make some money so I can be that kind of bachelor. Always. Have, and meanwhile, I'd be so upset. Like, well, you can either go to the theater or you could stay home and watch some repeats of Family Affair. I got to choose the uh, Family Affair. Uh, French. Uh, thanks, sir. I don't know why that completely fascinated me. Then the show was never that cool again because then he had the kids in it and everything. But it's still, but I keep watching. I keep watching it. I don't know why. I'm obsessed. With, you know, then I'm doing the deep dive and I'm finding out about all the stuff that's happening that, you know, I mean, I guess I knew, but I didn't know that Buffy, you know, Buffy did die. Remember, that was always a rumor. But no, she overdosed. She really did overdose. I always thought it was a rumor. She was dead by 17, 18. She, was, she never even made it into the 80s. She died at 18. And then, oh, my, I, I'm telling you, I did the deep dive last night. Oh, my God. I, I saw a thing of her on the Dick Cavett show. Her, oh, my, I'm telling you, I'm not going to play a clip from this because you got to watch the whole thing. It's fascinating. So it's Anissa Jones. That's her name, right? And she's on the Dick Cavett show, her and Sammy Davis Jr. And she just seems like a freak and a half, like she's already on something. She's only 11. But it looks like she's on coke because she keeps like, you know, licking her lips and stuff and just talking like she's a freak. Um, but I think what the thing is, like, I don't think she liked being a child actress and, um, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, she's cute as a button, but you got to see this interview. They say it's an awkward interview, but it is awkward, but it's also not awkward. And it shows you how great Dick Cavett is and Sammy Davis is the fucking greatest. So I really highly recommend looking up this ridiculous thing for the Dick Cavett show with Buffy from Family Affair because it's, it's fascinating. I, I couldn't stop watching it. It was like a train wreck, but it's not a train wreck. And then, of course, when you know how things are going to you know, uh, work out for her, um, 
you know, the Dick Cavett and Sammy Davis outlived Buffy from Family Affair. It's really weird. Then I found out, remembering that uh, uh, Brian Keith uh, shot himself. He committed suicide because, well, I think he had cancer, but also his daughter committed suicide. Uh, Jody, you know, Johnny Whitaker, our boy, had a uh, drug problem, and he was a mess. The only one that survived, apparently, was uh, Sissy. Oh, Mr. French died at 59, but he was out of shape, and he was a mess. I think during the first season, they had to replace him a couple times because he was sick. So it's not a curse. You basically just feel bad for Buffy. Because um, that is the, the most tragic of all stories and the classic, you know, kid that kept taping up her chest so she would, you know, because they said she was like 11. Or was she? Th- yeah, she was 11 by the time I guess the show ended. Or No, she might have been 13 and they had to keep putting her in little girl's clothing. That's got to. Just, that's some different strokes kind of shit, you know, where they're trying to keep you young. You know, clearly they don't do that anymore. They they just, you know, age the people out. But, yeah, they were trying to keep her in these outfits and everything. It probably drove her mentally insane. Meanwhile, I don't think she came from a good family. And remember, there was a shitload of merchandise. Like I said, either me or my sister had the Buffy Halloween mask. And they had a Mrs. Beasley doll. It, it was apparently, I mean, I was looking it up. It was in the top Five of the rankings, it beat Gunsmoke in its third season. It was a hugely popular hit. I don't remember it being a huge hit, but I guess it was. And then the only reason they canceled it after five seasons was because CBS did this whole thing where they're like, don't want any more stuff. They just want to do small town shit. You know, they just made this decision. They were just going to do, I don't know what the fuck. They, they made some sort of decision and cleaned out all these shows that were top ratings because they're idiots. And that's why CBS, uh, you know, wasn't is never heard from again until Ray Romano uh, bought them back. But um, so, uh, yeah, and they and and what's also interesting is they apparently with Brian Keith and Fred McMurray, who were you know movie stars. I mean, Fred McMurray was a movie star. Um, I don't remember Brian Keith being a movie star, but I guess he was. They would shoot around their schedule, so they would only shoot. Uh, they they'd make what was it thirty days. Or 30 or 60 days, they'd shoot all of Brian Keith's scenes in like 30 days for a whole season. Maybe it was 60 days in that sense. So he could still do movie work, which was very smart because that's how you get a movie star to go to television, especially back then. You were able to get a movie star saying, no, you can still work in the movies. We just need 30 days with you. And apparently he loved doing it. Apparently he was a nice guy. He loved kids. And I just found out, and it's so stupid, right? He had worked with Johnny Whitaker before in... Some movie, I, I can't, some Western or something. And he goes, yeah, I like that kid. I'm going to bring him along. <laughs> and the kid was two. He's like, yeah, I like working with that Whitaker kid. He's okay. <laughs> but then it was so funny. I was uh, remembering all this stuff, like uh, how they, in the fifth season, how they used to open uh, the show. Good evening. So nice of you to join us. Yeah, they just opened the show with a little good evening. And then, uh, you know, later on, they would actually have the, uh, the the kids introduce the show. Hi, welcome to our show. <laughs> I don't know why. I, and all I kept thinking, and what they would do in the beginning is they would have a scene, they would have a clip from that scene. You know how, like, science... Well, I don't know if Seinfeld does it, but uh, they do it in syndication. But you know how the scene has a little, like the Big Bang Theory clearly has a pre-credit sequence, then the credits, you know, what you're going to get, and then and then the show. 
And what they would do is they would just show a, an actual clip from the show. There were no, no new material. You'd see it later. I don't hate that. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool, actually. That was the pre-credit sequence. And then the, uh, and it's kind of cool with the music. Ooh, it sounds like there's going to be action. <laughs> so, just as bad as the Good Witch. I'm sitting there watching these fucking stupid shows. Although, I got to say, um, last night I was watching one and Vic Tayback was in it. So that's exciting. I've heard Eve Plum and Robert Reed show up in a couple of episodes. Now, that's going to be exciting. Oh, and... Uh, uh, what was that girl we want to get on the podcast uh, for obvious reasons because she's awesome. Uh, the girl that played Lucy and the, the Peanuts and, and Oscar Madison's daughter, uh, Pamela Ferdin, was in one episode where she had also a Mrs. Beasley doll, um, but without the glasses. Um, that was a big rivalry. But, uh, you know, what's better than... Uh, you, Frank, he's going, I'm telling you, I only do this show if Whitaker's in it with me. And why wouldn't he want I mean, this guy... I mean, I can't believe this guy ended up in a bad way. I mean, I, I really, like I said last night, I was just, I'm, I'm so obsessed now. You know, I'm just sitting there, I'm watching, and I'm not, I'm half watching, I'm on my phone just doing research. And uh, it's just, I mean, Johnny Whitaker got an amazing career after. What is he so upset about? But apparently he was left penniless, didn't have the good folks, they didn't save him any cash. Remember he was doing, he was working, this kid was working with Jodie Foster and Brian Keith. <laughs> he was working with Jodie Foster. I think they did, they did two movies together. He did a movie with Jodie Foster. You know what? That would make somebody want to commit suicide. If you're working with Jodie Foster and, uh, and then, you, you know, you're, you're singing the theme song to Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, then yeah, yeah, that's. Well, that's kind of like me in a way, I suppose, right? If you're if you're working, if you start start off working with Sarah Silverman and David Tell, and then you know you're just doing a podcast about family affair, well, this, this could be suicide worthy, but uh, <laughs> this won't be. But uh, <laughs> meanwhile, they wanted Buffy, um, and you know I don't like talking about this, but they they wanted Buffy to audition for The Exorcist. The timeline works. And uh, but boy, wouldn't that have been something else? She becomes a huge star from that, and Johnny Waker's doing Sigmund and the Sea Monster. That he probably would it probably would have worked the opposite. He probably would have killed himself, but she probably wouldn't have got work from that after that again. So, um, you know, I didn't see a good trajectory for any of these people, except for Sissy, who apparently was in the Ten Commandments, and and then she got Family Affair. She had a little extra scene in Ten Commandments. She tells this story about uh, working with Cecil B. the Mill. Now, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So, uh, Sissy, let me ask you. This is like the uh, the Bob Hope interview with Martin Short on uh, SCTV. Let me ask you, what was it like working with Cecil? Well, I'll tell you, that's Cecil B. the Mill or something else. Man. 
<laughs> Why is Sissy telling us on working with Cecil B. DeMille? I mean, that is, come on. Who's not interested in this? This is hilarious. This is the funniest thing I've ever talked about on the show. Thank you so much, everybody. I Welcome back. Now, you know, I just want to, or should I wait till next week on that? Yeah, you know what? I'll wait till next week. We've already done enough for today. Oh, we've done enough. All right. I will tell you this one other thing before we go. First of all, first of all, I'll tell you this. God damn it. Woody Allen, uh, there's a documentary coming out on HBO, Mia Farrow's version of how much Woody Allen sucks. I am very, very uptight about this. It is a very one-sided documentary. I don't know how they're even allowed to put it on. It's like a four-part documentary on what an asshole Woody Allen is. I just don't understand how that's allowed. This is very upsetting. Um, it's just going to take away from his amazing legacy. I, I don't think there is any crime done. Sarah and I have talked about it. There's no. There's only allegations. There is no conviction. There's no proof. And you know, apparently, this is the reason they got it is because Dylan's going to speak out. But let me tell you something, folks. Before I haven't seen the documentary. Nobody has yet. But let me just tell you this: We know how we are when when we're kids. And sometimes within somebody saying something or something you've done, we, we, in our minds it becomes real. I could swear to you that when I was growing up, my dad threw water on me, like a pitcher of water on me while I was sleeping to get me out of bed. Now, I could swear that happened. Like he did it multiple times. That was my punishment. But since my mother and my sister say we don't remember that, maybe I'm making it up in my head. But where would I make up such a a strange thing? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's pretty devastating. So what's making me think? Did I dream that? And then it became a reality in my head because I was so terrified of him? Or did it really happen? I can remember it so vividly. My dad threw a pitcher of water, and then my mom came in and, and took care of me while I was like crying and, and, and changed the bed. Or, or, or is that what's in my mind because maybe I peed in the bed or something, and then she changed it, I don't, and then maybe he was yelling at me, and in my mind, I made that up. So that's just something I remember vividly. Was it a dream? We remember dreams that vividly sometimes. There's like three or four or five dreams in my head that I can remember that seems so real. It's crazy, even back then. So is it possible that, you know, through prodding and Mia Farrow's hatred of Woody Allen and, and all this stuff that Dylan could have possibly made up something? Yes, of course. Now, I'm not taking anything away if it had happened, although I really just don't think it... I'm not... Because I love Woody Allen, I'm just... It's just... It's, it's, it, it is just out of character. I know it doesn't seem out of character because, unfortunately, he married his stepdaughter but i don't want it to be true and i just think like a lot of you know when she was that young and that would be the age i was where i thought my dad did this to me until i find out that that my dad actually did that to me i'm just not going to believe these allegations and i don't want to believe them and i love woody allen and i'll always love him and he's just the fucking greatest and i will not have my favorite movies tainted by this horrible crazy family me and pharaoh's insane and she's poisoned these kids to hate their father now the, the one who's sticking up for his father saying, I was there that day and Woody Allen didn't do it. I think his name is Moses. He's not in the documentary. So how do you air? Oh, isn't a documentary supposed to be? Don't you, Isn't that journalism? Both sides? But I guess that's not the case. CNN always shows one side and Fox News shows the other. 
There's nothing that shows both sides. You know what? I'm going to put a stop to that immediately. I'm planning on having Tom Shalhoub and Jamie LaBella from Fox News on my Comedy Cellar show. Now, that would be different than anyone I've ever had on before. They obviously have different views. Isn't that the way to go? Isn't that journalism? So I'm very upset by this. Now, on the... uh, on another topic, I did find out that my friend Paul Pope, who is a comic book artist and writer, uh, just designed a new cover of Superman. It's called Superman, I think, Red and Blue, or Blue and Red. Um, he just came out with the cover. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm very excited. I'm going to get it signed. I'm going to get it signed for Cousin Frankie, which I think made him happy since he has COVID. You know, we love, you know once I can go back to the goddamn comic book store again, See, that's the same thing. That's a love look. I love going to the comic book store. I don't read a lot of comics, but I love going in there looking around, just like at the magazine rack. A great big magazine rack. I don't know why. It's fun, right? I miss that. I miss going into a store and just spending hours looking at a magazine. I'm not a book guy. I'm not a book guy. I would like to read more books. I just got to find some ones that I like to read. I'm really enjoying reading the stupid Harry Potter books. It's so big, though, I can't even read it in bed. I got to get smaller ones. But sometimes reading is great. I love turning off the TV, putting on, uh, you know, I can barely concentrate if uh, sound is on, but I try and put on sound so it's not so quiet. And then I can read. I'd like to read more. Everybody would. Just not a reading guy, but I love the magazines. I do enjoy reading the magazines. You know what? Because there's pictures. I like the combination of pictures and words. Which is why I enjoy the newspaper. I love reading the newspaper. This all makes sense. show for today i hope everybody had a lovely time listening to it i think we uh, had a nice fun lively show today i'll uh, try and put it out so our patreon subscribers get it two to three days early which is fantastic again you know that's the way normally it can happen but uh, sometimes it takes me a little longer to put it together so you might get it on sunday night or monday but uh, you know usually you get it a few days early and that's what you pay for and I appreciate your support. Uh, I really, really do on Patreon. I, I love every one of you. I, I, it's just uh, really terrific. You know, I did uh, Kevin Brennan's podcast the other day, which was fun, really fun. And I'd, I'd love to have him on the show, but he's so controversial at this point. Uh, you know, it's difficult for you know my other friends are worried about him, but I will always love Kevin Brennan. I think he's the funniest, and uh, you know that's. That's what I usually judge on. And again, you know, my test is, uh, you know, he was saying to himself, like, well, you know, uh, you know, now I'm very angry and bitter. I'm like, now? <laughs> it's just like me. Uh, I don't think I've changed at all. I've always been angry and bitter and fun and stupid. And it's just a combination of stuff. And so is he. And, uh, you know, David Tell's always been the same. Well, maybe he changed a little bit, but that's all right. And Sarah's been the same. You know, it's like consistency is my favorite friend. And uh, once you've changed, and I know there's a few people in my life who have changed, and those people I uh, have tepid relationships with because uh, I don't like to change, especially if it's uh, not for the the best. But, uh, you know, good change is always excellent. But I enjoy consistency, and that is my catalyst for 
remaining friends, and I certainly remain friends with so many people because I like people and I like to talk to them, but apparently I don't like to see anybody in person. No, I do. I want to go back to that, and I want to have a good time and see people. I just have trouble getting out of the house because, uh, like everybody, I've been cooped up for such a long time, although it is fun to get out once in a while. I don't know whether I can maintain a daily basis of it. So I don't know what's going to happen, but who cares? We have each other. Remember tonight, what an amazing show this will be. Dave Bryan from Bon Jovi. The amazing, unbelievable, you could never see coming, long-lasting glam band. The longest-lasting glam band, relevant glam band in the history of the planet. And we will have Dave Bryan, a founding member of Bon Jovi, and also, you know, brilliant. He also made his own uh, place in the world by uh, becoming, oh, no big deal, just becoming a Tony winner for Broadway shows. And his daughter will be joining us who wants to be a comic. I mean, come on, folks. This is going to be great stuff. We have that Jim Norton. Anyway, next week, we'll see you in our regular format, which is this, the lovely Audible podcast that you and I love listening to it, putting together. We'll see you next week. I'm a nightfly, everybody. Good night. I'm a nightfly. I'm a nightfly.